Welcome to Bitcoin Fixes This, where we explore the impact that Bitcoin will have in all aspects of society. Today's guest is John Fockery, CEO, Bitcoiner, and Clubhouse native. We talk about hustle, entrepreneurship, and starting businesses. John also tells us about his childhood, how he started his business, and we talked a bit about how to raise kids with good character. John Fockery, how's everything going, man? Man, dude, I'm still digesting. <laughs> <laughs> From last night? Yeah, absolutely. We had Wagyu, and you, uh, you guys, uh, you should never let Jimmy uh, order uh, meat for you. Oh, come on. It was just like... Uh, I'm just kidding. I felt great, man. I took out about 30 <laughs> ounces, and I still feel great. So Yeah, I, 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 you know, the, that A5 was just like you melting. You crazy, man? The A5 yeah. was great, uh-huh. and I love it. I mean, uh-huh. but the, that tomahawk. Yeah, it was absolutely like. Yeah, I mean, did you was, did you know off the bone? Because I did that. That was amazing. I I, I don't I did not. Oh, um, that's the best part. I should have told you. Hold yeah. on, is it the top part? Like the very very top? top no, no, part? you have to hold the bone and, and gnaw it, at yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. the only way to get Do that. Me- like, so here's the deal. I used to make fun of my mom uh-huh. for bogging on bone marrow, <laughs> and then as an adult, I'd go to a restaurant in uh-huh. Chicago or uh-huh. Vegas or New yeah. York, and then buy bone marrow for like $140. What the like? I'm just like twisted on like poverty to 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 wealth real quick. No, it's it's. So good, it's so good. But yeah, I mean, you you worked out this morning. You somehow lost three pounds. Tell me more Dude, about that. Yesterday before dinner, I was one seventy four eight. Crunched 30, 35 ounces worth of beef. Uh huh. Um, I don't drink, you uh-huh. know, and I wasn't drinking very much. Um, and somehow after my run this morning, I was like one seventy one nine, one seventy one eight. I I, mean, I lifted. I got some yoga, and it's hot. I ran three four miles. But yeah, man, the, the fifty or forty ounces, whatever the hell we went through yesterday. Um, yeah, didn't put a dent in it, man. Body's processing it. Man. Thanks for all the <laughs> carnivoring and fasting that you got me on. Jimmy's so brilliant because he knew just telling me about it wouldn't work. And he just like so he framed it in a, a polite challenge way, and all of a sudden he's like he's like, dude, you're really fasting for three days. All of a sudden I'm like, yeah, man, this is great. Why am I freezing? <laughs> all that fat, all that fat gets used. Yeah. No, um, so I, that's kind of what I want to talk to you about because uh, you know you you describe yourself as a gym rat. I could totally see it, right? Like, uh, we we tried to record this yesterday, and unfortunately, some of the audio got messed up. But you like literally ran over to my hotel, and you you you're like deadlifting or whatever it is that you're doing this morning. And you're gonna go shoot some uh, basketball hoops and. I'm gonna all take that. this three-point contest down, but yeah. I'm afraid I'm gonna lose now because I just nah. said that. <laughs> and I feel like if I win, it's just like, oh yeah, John won. And if I lose, I'm gonna hear not, not hear the end of it for like three months. Yeah, yeah, but the, the, this is encompassing what I wanted to talk about with you, which is that the whole sort of like hustle, right? Like it's it's this idea of like, you know, doing things and like taking initiative and. Um, you know, not needing direction to go do something. You know, and that that's um, that that not needing direction part is very non-fiat. It's very Bitcoin. So uh, I wanted I to talk more about that. So, um, I, what I found fascinating about your story is just sort of like how you grew up and how you got this hustle. So can you can you tell us a little bit more about you know what 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 your circumstances were growing up and um, how you learned to hustle very early on. Yeah, man. So, you know, and, and we talked about this a little bit in various uh-huh. forms, but for for the audience, like, you know, there's like a nurture element to it, I think. Like, the reality is, Jimmy, like, you know, I didn't have a lot of option to drop the ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my father was murdered. My mother was just a few weeks pregnant with me. She worked really hard. She really laid a really awesome example. And, like, I just didn't want to let her down. And I felt like I had this, like, massive, massive responsibility to 
to like change the economic paradigm for our family. I didn't know what it meant, but like I knew stressful, poor was like really terrible. Like it drove like a sense of like, all right, we gotta get the fuck out of this. <laughs> and so, but I also like, man, I mean, I remember being like eight years old and like convincing the principal at the school that the paint boards needed to be painted and like <laughs> the desks needed to be cleaned in the summertime. And so I was over there trying to hustle for like this $5 an hour in the summertime and, you know, in between, you know, getting some shots up or whatever. But yeah, man, um, I think there's a nature, a nurture element to it. Uh, my circumstance is one that I, I certainly wouldn't wish on others, but quite frankly, I'm so glad it happened to me, and it sounds like a really, like, I don't know, morbid thing to say, man, but, like, not having Dad to cushion the blow for me um, and, and, and insulate risks for me, to be frank, quite frankly, mm -hmm. made the uh, the heightened sense of recognizing that there wasn't a lot of room for error, um, mm -hmm. and, and that helped, man. Mm -hmm. That, like, uh, being forced to be counted on having sort of no safety net almost sure taught you hustle yeah i mean i think it was as part of it for sure i mean i do think there's like i mean you know i don't have to hustle now right mm. like you know if you were to think about it in like fiat terms of why people are like oh i want to make enough money and never work again it's like such a fiat boring mm. mindset <laughs> right like it's like you know this like it's like so antithesis to like the the beauty of what proof of work actually means in mm. real life not in mm. just terms of like you know electric you know thermodynamics and, and, and bringing electrons to, to credibly you know prove sound money but dude like I, I think there's like this element of like innate you know consideration to motivation like I see people that have no need to be doing the things that they're doing um, from just economic motivating factors from just Maslowian pursuits if you will mm, mm. it's like why are you still doing it mm. I didn't have to run to you yesterday but I had 20 <laughs> minutes dude and I was like getting my juices flowing and I'm like damn Jimmy's taught me so much about Bitcoin what am I gonna tell him uh, and so yeah man like uh, there's 86,800 seconds in a day I FOMO about every one of them mm, I want mm. every single one of them so bad and life has gotten so good that I want them even more that's mm. gotten this flywheel effect. Yeah. I, so that's interesting because, uh, you know, your story, like, uh, you know, growing up, obviously, there were tragic circumstances and everything else. But as you come out of college, you decide to go and do your own business. So tell us more about that and what, what hustle it took and what mentality it took and how you kind of prepped yourself to go do something that many people probably thought was kind of crazy. I, I had some, like, entrepreneurial, I think, like, ticklings and, and dabblings earlier right so like I was like nine years old selling souvenirs at Wrigley Field like, uh -huh. <laughs> at a time where like you really shouldn't have taken the buses there but uh -huh. um, you know I was like 16 years old and stole my mom's social security number and you know put you know, opened up a joint tenant account so I could buy like Cisco right after the tech bubble crash, you know. Uh, I was, you know, I was doing a lot of things that I think were, were, were entrepreneurial, including I was like 17 years old selling shoes on Michigan Avenue to really, really high net worth individuals and high level professionals and travelers from all over the world. And I was making more money than my teachers and parents, quite frankly, at that point, right? And like, and my mom at one point thought I was just selling drugs. She's like, where's this coming from? Like, how are you able to give me hundreds of dollars as a 16, 17 year old? And, um, no, you, you know, so I was, shoes. <laughs> I was just trying to angle, man. I really was. I was selling Prada and like, you know, and Jimmy Chews and, uh -huh. you know, Christy Louis Vuittons for, for those that, you know, are going to call me a high time preference hoe and like yeah. on this thing right now. But, <laughs> but all joking aside, man, I, I, I um, after college, I, I, you know, I did a CPA kind of track and did an accounting track at, at the University of Illinois, um, went and interned at Ernst & Young, dabbled at PwC with some friends that, um, my, my really good friend's dad worked there. Um, and and uh, eventually landed at Alvarez and Marcel, and there I realized really quickly mm -hmm. that like, yo, like the guys that are at the top level of this mm. need me. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I remember auditing someone's, like, comp package, uh-huh. and just by realizing through a few questions and interacting with this individual, I will not say their name, I will not say the company's name, but... Through interacting with this person, I knew that he didn't understand his comp package. Oh, wow. He did not understand how his options were. Didn't matter. Uh-huh. And, um, and I'm just like, like, this is a publicly traded company. Right? Uh-huh. Like, the, the, these numbers that are going into this spreadsheet is going to go to this guy, and this guy uh-huh. is going to use it for this analyst call. Uh-huh. And these analysts are going to then, you know, drive the, the price on the market. Uh-huh. This is it. <laughs> I can do this shit. <laughs> um, so while like consulting, I saw an opportunity in IT. IT was like people had as much anxiety dealing with IT issues as they did going to the dentist, right? Like, oh. <laughs> um, and it just sucked. Everywhere you went, it was a weakness. Like you know, technology a hundred years ago and founding a framework at least. I and mean, this is kind of where I'm going with this story about how I got to starting framework. Yeah. Um, it's like a, you know, technology a hundred years ago was like the fridge. You know, it was like the the radio. It's like you don't yeah, think yeah. about that as technology. Yeah, yeah. But it made life better in a significant way for people. Yeah. yeah. And in most businesses, technology yeah. is not optimized. Mm. People are scared to do stuff sometimes because well how will it affect this and how will it affect that oh we're gonna have to check through 47 people or whatever yeah um and what we found is that there's just a really strong set of best practices it turns out that if you eat well you work out you uh-huh. sleep well you take care of yourself uh-huh. you know you don't have to go to the doctor all that often and you're not like dealing with diabetes and there's a lot of simple best practices that come into um, it the problem is very few people execute them well yeah and very few people that are scale those operations and so we've just been able to like in a non-sexy way uh-huh. execute in a really really awesome way but to the core of your question I've been dabbling in that way ever like you see like when you're an entrepreneur you see the world in a very annoyed way you see the world broken <laughs> you want to see it in your way and there is a, a you know an egotistical component of thinking that you are the person to uh-huh. fix that shit uh-huh. um, you know before the trough of despair hits you in the face recognizing yeah. you need a lot of help I would tell you I had to. Uh-huh. Like this is what I had to do. Mm. Um, like I would have probably not be. I would have been, you know, but it continued to have been unfulfilled. Would have continued to have been frustrated. Would have eventually, you know, pushed in that path. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think of like that as kind of how that thing kind of came to life and came to fruition. Mm. Well, so you were talking about sort of entrepreneurs seeing the world differently, right? Like you, you see opportunities where a lot of people, I think, would kind of see nothing they're like ah that doesn't work instead for you when you get annoyed when you see a problem you have a different mentality you think well how how do you fix how how would i fix this for somebody and then and then you get into well how can i make money off of it it's it's a very different mentality so can you talk a little bit about the mentality that I was like, how did you get into that mentality? How, how did that happen? I, I don't know that I ever saw the world differently, okay. right? So, like, I literally remember seeing the, the baseboards at the <laughs> school being, like, all chalked up. But, no, um, I think you can exercise those thoughts, right? Like, yeah. you can play games and, and you can continue to, like, refine that kind of methodology. And, yeah. But, you know, success sort of, like, breeds a little level of success, right? Doing yeah. something you never... Like, I'm not an IT guy. Yeah. You know, Framework is one of the best IT service companies on the planet now. And the reality of it is, is like, you learn how to build teams. You learn how to do mm-hmm. things, right? Like, and so, I would tell you at this point, like, I'm just trying to solve, like, real problems. Uh-huh. You know, you and I talked about, I almost took a swing at, at Clubhouse with, uh-huh. uh, with Backstage. Uh-huh. And, um, I realized I didn't care about social media. <laughs> In fact, I kind of hated it. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't want to take a check one day from a bunch of people that are just going to sell the information that we were gathering, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. so, it's just, like, antithesis to, like, my beliefs, say, even with, like, why I love Bitcoin, or at least some of the reasons why I love Bitcoin. But, you know, like, I, I, I would tell you that I don't know that I, I could have been different, right? Uh-huh. And I also think, like, entrepreneurism is not for everybody. Uh-huh. Like, the problem with the word entrepreneur, I told you this yesterday, is like, 
It sounds too sexy. Entrepreneur. It's like a French word. It sounds like some shit that they should charge you 4X for at a restaurant. You know? yeah, it's like Wagyu or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I think, like, in, in, in retrospect, like, like, there is a component of problems that you see, right? And then being annoyed. But then there's a certain level that you reach, like, Maslovianly. It's like you start to pick the pitches you want to swing at. Yeah. Yeah, I still think that there's a product that could be built way better than Clubhouse. Uh huh. But I don't care. Yeah. And it doesn't really fulfill me. Uh huh. Um, one of the things that I like, and I, you know, I talked about this with you in a different in a different setting, is just like, like I kind of feel a sense of obligation to like give back to mm. Bitcoin. Mm. Um, I'm sure you feel that, and you're mm. educating and you're teaching. Like I don't feel that way about like, like SPY. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? like, like I don't feel that way about God. You know, I don't even own Tesla, but I, I yeah. maybe that says something. But like. Um, yeah, I don't feel that way about other things, you know. Um, maybe you like. I felt that way maybe about going back to my high school, where like the trajectory of my life changed. But yeah. Bitcoin is like where I'm focusing on. Um, it's not an economically maximizing pursuit, uh-huh. but rather a value maximizing pursuit. I think for me, what's next, and not that that's the core of your question, but rather like, how do I think I see it? How do I continue to see it? Is yeah. through like, is is it a, is there a problem there? Uh-huh. Can I fix it? You know, is it like an economically viable problem to fix? What's the total? Like, I start to go into like, you know, business mode, if you will. But really, the like, the core of it is like, what do I really want to do now? Uh-huh. Right? You know, I, I don't want to like bombard this answer, but I think this is probably a good point that I wanted to readdress today. It's like, when you're broke, right? When you're economically like, like walls kind of crashing in on you, you're like, yo. How do I get money? How do I get money? Eight-year-old John was like trying to fucking paint baseboards. How do I get money? How do I get money? Right? How do I continue to increase cash? How do I increase like you know money? And then when you reach certain economic paradigms, you start to focus on how can I get more time? Right? People say time is money. It starts to shift. I don't think. I think they're they're, they're like this like scale where like and as you continue to build economic like economic and maybe social wealth to that extent. Um, you start to wonder, how can I experience this longer? How can I hold on to this? How can I get some of that time back? And that is one of the like beauties of how Bitcoin, for me, as an entrepreneur, as a dad, as just like a, like a citizen of the world, can start to just like reclaim my time. And, uh, and so like now as an entrepreneur, to kind of bring it full circle, knowing that I can like reclaim my time, not be driven just by economic factors. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it, it, I'm looking at like entrepreneurial pursuits in a little bit of a different fashion than like 23, 24 year old that was trying to bootstrap framework to get to, uh-huh. you know, some economic viability. Uh, uh, well, so I, w- I want to touch back on something that you said, which I, which I thought was interesting because there is sort of like an annoyance and you can sort of see the business plan or like the possibilities and you, you have that. But there's another component to that, isn't there? There's a sort of like a willingness to take a chance on yourself. There's a courage component, which I think is extremely underrated. I know a lot of brilliant people. They probably had a lot of good ideas that, but like you were saying, it's the execution part and that execution requires a level of bravery, of courage, of fortitude, of, of, of being able to stick with something and see it through to completion without knowing how successful you will be. So can you tell us a little bit more about where you find the strength to do that, how you get to the point where you can just be like, hey, you know what, like, I can do this. And, um, you know, like, I might fail, and it's okay if I fail, but I, I, wanna, I wanna 
uh, you know, take my shot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so 23, 24-year-old John didn't have kids, right? <laughs> so the, 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 the scale was a lot different. Oh. I thought about this more since we talked about yesterday. Because uh, this uh-huh. is one of those, like, chicken and egg things, you yeah, know? Yeah, I do think there's, like, the success breeds success conversation where, yeah. like, dude, like, I was doing things at a high level. Uh-huh. At times that I probably shouldn't have done it. Like, uh-huh. I shouldn't have been the highest, like... You know, salesperson on the Nordstrom shoe floor in the country. You know, like I was like 17. You uh-huh. know, and I recognized, oh man, I can acquire this skill. And like in having a growth mindset, I recognized that this was just another challenge. Uh-huh. And as I continued to look back on the things that I accomplished, all of them continued to seem more and more possible. And then it mm-hmm. continued through like business, you know, success as well. But the the other part of this too is that I think like the reality is like a lot of entrepreneurs if not most are kind of like arrogantly egotistical <laughs> like it does kind of take a sense of arrogance to be like I could do this shit better uh, yeah 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 it does uh, I could I mean like and maybe it's necessary you uh-huh. know like I mean like one person's confidence is another person's arrogance right uh-huh. where is that line bleed yeah and I think that there's like some part of the the enzyme if you will to like get this like catalyst going if you will is like there's some like self-belief mm-hmm. you know one of the things that like connected hot and i when we first met and you and i talked about this he's like he said before i could buy bitcoin i had to believe in myself mm. before you can start and generate any sense of value i think mm-hmm. you have to believe in oneself uh-huh. and like you know for for american hodl you know it was a, a real full-fledged dedication in an economic you know bet on bitcoin uh-huh. for me and that was a betting on himself too right mm-hmm. and for me it was like doubling down as j cole on yourself like if, <laughs> when it's me i want to double down on me mm-hmm. when it's other people as an angel investor i'm more trepidatious no uh-huh. right like almost sometimes i think about when i'm investing in other companies like oh man is this something i can help beyond the capital Mm. Right, because like I trust me, uh-huh. you know, and that's an arrogant thought, to be honest. Well, I mean, arrogant, but also you're most familiar with yourself, whereas you're not familiar with other people. So, in a sense, that confidence is somewhat warranted because you ought to know yourself better than anybody else. I think it's important too, though. You're honest about your weaknesses. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. I think one of the things that like has really helped me, if I'm, if I'm, you know, is. is you know, I, I doubt most people that probably are listening to this that know me, Jimmy, are probably like, wow, that guy's not like humble isn't the first 20 words that come to mind. <laughs> but like the reality of it is I am honest about my weaknesses. Uh-huh. You know, I was with Dread last night. We were drinking and I was having a couple of beers with Dread and, and, and uh, I lied. He had like four and I had none, uh-huh. but I was holding the beer. And um, he, uh, he, I told him, I was like, he's like, dude, you got a voice. And I'm like, dude, I hate my voice. Uh-huh. He's like, you're too hard on yourself. I was like, dude, I love me. I just hate my voice. I'm honest about hating my voice. And so the thing is, like, I don't feel like, you know, um, I think like confidence is important, right? But being overconfident is dangerous. And I think the way that you can caution being overconfident is being honest about where your your, your pitfalls are. Now, lucky for me, I'm okay with that. Mm. Like, I don't need to be perfect. In fact, you know, I like I love the word failure now. Mm. Like most people hear the word failure and it sets off all these negative like, you know, twists in their brain, like their neurotransmitters are like da 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 fire fire warning warning failure failure mm. avoid it, right? Mm. And I think like for most people that's what happens when they're looking at an entrepreneurial pursuit. Mm. There's plenty of entrepreneurs out there that mm. if they could push past the idea of failure being a negative word uh-huh. of like the the like trauma like the sort of catastrophication of what failure would look like. <laughs> 
Like, yeah. like for me, yeah, things got lucky on my first shot, like which is not very common in starting your first uh-huh. business. That it was, you know, uh, cash flow positive. It was, you know, well, growing, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. The thing is, it wasn't your first business. You were painting baseboards and selling freaking shoes or whatever. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That's probably a lot. In fact, I joke all the time, Jimmy. I learned more at Nordstrom's than I did like at the University <laughs> of Illinois. And I like, I, I studied hard. I worked hard, but um. But I think like there there is a sense of like if you can be honest about those weaknesses and then compliment those weaknesses. So my business partners are killers, man. Like and they compliment me in significant ways. There's a lot of yings to yangs. Like we have some of the most talented people in the world working there when they could be working anywhere else. Like everybody at Framework could go work at Google or go work at Facebook or go work at you know any other like top notch. That'd be a little screw cringe, those but sure, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> the lunch pail. But they, uh, I was just like, please don't leave the Google and Facebook. Go pick something worthy and noble. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, man, like it's the truth. And so I've been honest about those things and I try to caution my confidence with recognizing what I'm not great at. And then when I f- fuck up, it's like, I don't care that much. Mm-hmm. Like failure to me just sounds like market research now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, okay, what's next? Well, so there, there is sort of like that fiat fear of failure. Hell right? yeah. Because like um, failure is so consequential in a fiat world where you're dependent on something or someone or some institution or some job or something like that. And if you fail, it's all or nothing. Whereas in an entrepreneurial endeavor, when you fail, it's just a setback or it's not, it's not catastrophic like people make it out Jimmy, think about all the things that like you or I probably economically mm-hmm. could, you know, mm-hmm. acquire for our families or for our yeah, kids, yeah, right? Yeah. Why don't we do it? <laughs> it's, I, it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't value it. Yeah, yeah. What I recognize in the fiat mindset mm-hmm. is so many people are worried what other people are thinking about their fiat or yeah. their standing. And yeah. you and I were talking about this yesterday. I thought about it a little bit on my run this morning. And I recognize, like, like 26-year-old John is wearing, like, trunk club, you know, <laughs> like, suits. when you ask me for a headshot, I'm like, dude, all my sh- pictures now are in T-shirts and Lululemon. I'm not in suits anywhere. I don't even know what to send this, dude. I was like, I had to find something. I couldn't even find it. And, like, and it's just like... I was in this like fiat pursuit. Not only say fiat pursuit, because I didn't even think about it in that way, but I was too worried uh-huh. about seeking other people's approval. Yeah, and it's so fiat. Yeah, it's yeah. like what car do you drive? What neighborhood do you live in? Mm-hmm. You know what I love now? What? I love showing up to the country club in like a Nissan Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> I only bought a Tesla because uh-huh. I needed more range life after uh-huh. my kids were born. Okay, <laughs> so I know everyone's like, "What well, you drive? You drive a Tesla?" Blah, blah, whatever. Uh-huh. So like. The thing is, I think it's such a fiat consideration because they're worried about what the rest of the world views about their success. Yeah. The fulfillment isn't internal. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the reasons that I didn't pursue backstage, for instance, is like I could have done if I would have achieved the highest level of success. Uh-huh. Like I thought about what that would look like. I wouldn't have been fulfilled. Yeah, there's no upside there. It was or, like, what am I yeah. doing? I'm going to be marginally more wealthy yeah. and like lose like seven years of my kid's time and then <laughs> not be happy about winning? Yeah. It's like putting a big fish on your boat only to sink it, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, man, I think there is this fiat pursuit. I think there is, or excuse me, I think there's a fiat failure, or a, 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 fear, fi- fear. a, a fear of failure that is inherently tied into a, a, a system that rewards materialism and high time preference. Yeah. About, ma- you know, why you go get your Facebook, uh, early Facebook stock cashed in and go buy a Lambo. That's cute. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't care. I just want my time back. Yeah. You know, like I'm on I'm FaceTime with my daughter last night. And I just want five more minutes back, dude. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I do think there's like an inherent consideration of like they're, they're aiming for the wrong thing in the first place. Of course they're worried about failure. Yeah. Well, failure I mean, means not acquiring the car or the house <laughs> they want, dude. Well, what you said reminds me of something. So in a fiat 
ecosystem, you're very fragile to failure, right? If you fail, that might be the end of your academic career, that might be the end of you know, your tenure track or whatever. There are some significant consequences to failure. You're very fragile in that way. So you're looking to not win, right? Like we talked about this a little bit before. You're shooting to not lose instead right. of shooting to win. Whereas with an entrepreneur, you're way more anti-fragile where you know, failure actually strengthens you. you got, it's like what you said, it's market research, you get better. If the gazelle doesn't get hunted by the lion, uh-huh. it won, uh-huh. okay? Until it gets hunted by the lion. <laughs> uh-huh. The lion is only losing until it hunts the gazelle, uh, yeah. and then it's the fucking king again. <laughs> and I think one is clearly the entrepreneur, the uh-huh. other is clearly the person trying to navigate the forest. Like, right. oh, I, got, I want a secure job, so I'm gonna go work uh-huh. for corporate America. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they get, there's an M&A, and they're gone two weeks later. Yeah, yeah. Is that really security anyway? Yeah. I I do think that there is a function of people that don't see it that way, right? Like the Mm -hmm. entrepreneur wants to go to the free throw line with the game on the line. The Mm -hmm. entrepreneur might miss the shot, Mm -hmm. but the entrepreneur is considering, I want to eliminate Mm -hmm. all things that I cannot control. I want that. (laughs) You want the independence. Yeah. I I want control over my destiny. Uh Uh-huh. Right? And... And and, and, and and the opposite pursuit of that is the safety net of like, you know. Unemployment, yeah. Or even just the fucking, you know, stump salary and 401k and, uh-huh. you know, seven and a half percent returns and then market uh-huh. crash five years later and yeah. money printer go burr, right? Yeah, and yeah. like, so yeah, I, I, I think there is like a, a, a sincere connection around like the entrepreneur certainly is the guy that's going for the win, and like the the, the 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 lack of pursuit for the other person is just the function of them like trying not to lose, trying not to go hungry, trying not to lose their home, right? Mm. And it's like, dude, like that. And by the way, that's not not respectable, by the way, uh-huh. right? But it is an endemic kind of pursuit, and I think that there is a sincere correlation between like, you know, the risk aversion, entrepreneurial pursuit of a bitcoiner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that of like someone that's not even knowingly stuck in a fiat mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, th- this is what we've been talking about. Bitcoiners have more hustle than the non-Bitcoiner, the fiat person. You know, they're, they're not really even interested in looking for opportunities. They're more interested in keeping what they have. There's no staking. There's yeah. no proof of stake. <laughs> there is no, my daddy gave me enough money to like get into the society. Mm to get into the technocratic oligarchy that basically runs like right now in America, right? The country that was founded on like, you know, breaking a feudal system, essentially, Mm -hmm. you know, with a little bit of spice of religious freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, Like right now, the biggest factor that's going to determine one's net worth as an adult is their parents' net worth. Yeah. Like that is proof of stake. That is Cantillian effect at its finest form. I mean, that is like the most refined form in my mind. And so, like, to me, what the, the beauty of proof of work and thinking about it in those terms is, like, you can't fake this shit. Uh-huh. Right? Like, there's a meritocracy. Like, right now, 19-year-olds on the planet can, can create more economic value than in any history, any time in the history of value. Right? Like, I mean, like, you could be a 19-year-old and create billions of dollars worth of value, employ hundreds, if not thousands of people, change the way people live life. And that's, that's only something because, like, you're not going through this, like, system of life that's functioned on where you should be, what college you should have gone to, when you should have graduated, when you should have went to law school, med school, blah, 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 mm-hmm. how long you should have been an accountant before you became managing, whatever the yeah, yeah. bullshit. Can you deliver the goods? Yeah. 
Right, and that's one of the reasons in fairness in terms of like framework success is that there's been a Bitcoin mentality to it. Uh-huh. There's been this like proof of work consideration to, yo, mm. can you get this shit done? Mm. Right, and so there's like guys like Carson Chang and Jeremy Hernandez who introduced me to Bitcoin, by the uh-huh. way. And I just finally got him to buy Bitcoin like a month ago, which is crazy <laughs> to me that the person introduced me to Bitcoin, I it took me five years to get him to buy Bitcoin. Um, but like they're 21, 23, 25, they're running shit. Uh-huh. And like, it's because they have like proof of validation. They're doing the work. Yeah, yeah. And like, I know it's not what we're talking about again in like thermal, you know, dynamic, you know, uh-huh. um, you know, uh, uh, kind of true honesty of what, you know, brings Bitcoin to life. But like, there is a lot of similarity in the culture that I think is bred a success. And what isn't really technologically like, we're not like running a bunch of patents or like proprietary tech. We're just executing better through like simple proof of work. <laughs> but like, I would also say, like, you know, to, to the heart of your question, like, people in the fiat world, in my mind, see a finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and if they were living our lives, uh-huh. they might have thought they've already crossed that finish line. Yeah. But, like, I feel like we're just getting started. Of course, of course. And that is a different mindset. Like, they're too focused on what, like, how much economic security they can get. And I get it. Like, Uh by the way, the world's banging their heads in. Uh Like, think about, like, what inflation and money printing has done to all the things that (laughs) matter to them. School, food, education, just, like, like all the housing, right? Like, all the Mm -hmm. things that, like, it's, like, difficult and stressful. Mm -hmm. And raising kids is tough. Yeah. And it's, like... So yeah, like trying to do that is noble. Mm-hmm. It's just the wrong game to play. Yeah. And once you see the game, uh-huh. and you understand what like the like the game that that Bitcoin has like pro- provided in terms of an exit route to this like nonstop treadmill, mm-hmm. then you can really start to understand and prioritize the things that matter to you, mm-hmm. reclaim that time and focus on the game that you actually should and probably want to play. Mm. Instead of focusing on this finish line of how much money do I need to make to send my kid to college so they can be spending, yeah, whatever, right? Uh-huh. The game is, is, is about continuing to provide value, to con- uh-huh. th- that there is no finish line. Uh-huh. The finish line is the next goal, period. Yeah. And as soon as you pass that, it's time to keep moving. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, the fiat mentality, I think what, what you're saying is, finishing somebody else's goal and with 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 sort of like a a hustler and entrepreneurial mindset it's making your own goals and it's uh you you, and people are very uncomfortable with making their own goals you know what i mean let me tell you something that i've learned about like Mm -hmm. i can almost tell you right away if i know someone owns bitcoin or not or Mm -hmm. understands it if they tell me that they're they need to kill time (laughs) go i'm just gonna go kill some time uh-huh. <laughs> You'd never hear that from someone who truly understood Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that that would like like that evokes anger? <laughs> that evokes like this such an uncomfortable I'm like getting goosebumps uh-huh. right now. Jimmy's laughing at me. And we're like 90 degrees in, in Miami. Uh-huh. Um but like that it, it, that's the craziest thing in the world in there, right? Mm. Like like I want to go kill some time. <laughs> it's the only thing I can't get back. Yeah. It's the only thing I can't get back. And so, like, I'm constantly focused on how can I do the most uh-huh. with this, like, scarce asset time. Mm. And, you know, an entrepreneur now, and especially I think entrepreneurs that start to, like, get to, you know, pa- you know perhaps they're past their first business. Perhaps they're not living in their couch surfing or whatever doing to try to bootstrap mm-hmm. their business. 
start to like focus in on the problems that can advance the world and bring some economic value to and like I really would encourage especially those that are you know in the nexus of Bitcoin and entrepreneurialism and I think there's a massiveness and I think there's a mass dearth relative mm -hmm. to the amount of talent that's in this community I hate you saying this like mm -hmm. you know vague community but like when you look at other industries there's just a ton of talent and there's just a dearth of talent relative to the amount of capital that is there to be employed. <laughs> and I think if you talk to any VC, they would tell you that. I'm sure you've had well, this conversation yeah. too. Well, because the capital is like very abundant with the money printer, yeah. W welcome to the Fiat, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, M2 supply. But mm -hmm. I, 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 I really think that like, and one of the things that maybe is one, like kind of what I'm trying to cultivate, maybe even work on next, um, is bringing, you know, <laughs> and the struggle is there's like a lot of people that want to invest in Bitcoin companies and the struggle <laughs> is like, yo, I'm just going to invest in Bitcoin. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The underlying asset's really difficult to like, from an, you know, uh -huh. weighted opportunity cost to like not do it. It's happening mm -hmm. to me all the time as I get, you know, more angel pitch decks sent to me. But, um, but I do want to try to find a way to cultivate more talent mm -hmm. to lead more things, especially in the like wide open landscape of what lightning I think is going to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just like, and I know, you know, you and I have chatted about this a little bit and we've been on Clubhouse talking about this, but like, I am so bullish on what Lightning um, is going to mean for the advancement of Bitcoin um, um, in the long term. And I think the means of bringing and cultivating entrepreneurs in this space isn't about like coming up with five new hardware wallets. Like we, like we, got, we got enough like hardware wallets, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, perhaps we got to figure out a way to make it ma ma more mainstream for grandma, whatever, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, for me, it's going to be how do we build on Lightning and beyond? Uh -huh. And that's going to take a lot of visionary, and it's going to take a lot of people, by the way, like us, no. that need to invest in those types of people, mm. you know? Um, both for, for Bitcoin, both, and for our personal, you know, portfolios too, uh -huh. because to me, in terms of the market, the market's mm -hmm. going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. The market of Bitcoin and what it's going to bring in terms of value to the world is, is, is unspeakable. Mm -hmm. So now can we put the right talent there to kind of to, to extract that? And that's what I'm trying to figure out. And, and it's what I'm talking to a lot of our friends, oops, uh -huh. pardon me, a lot of the, you know, our mutual friends about and trying to cultivate a, a plan to, to bring more talent into the nexus of what Bitcoin's going to need. Yeah. So I talking about that right like because in a sense like the way that the fiat investment like startup thing works and, and you and i are very familiar with this if you're a 10 million dollar business no one's kid no one cares if you're a billion dollar business they start caring but everybody cares yeah yeah and, and that and that's the thing they they only look for a particular size because that's that's what gets an advantage in this current market with uh, with, with the way the fiat monetary system works. So in a sense, everything's like too high stakes, right? It's very fragile. If you fail, you fail a lot. It's very right? binary, I think yeah. you're right in that way. There are lower stake things that I think can make money that a lot of entrepreneurs can do, but just no one's interested in them because they have to play this fiat game. Because they need 700x to keep up with inflation. Yeah, yeah. They need 7,000x But But returns. if you do it with Bitcoin, I think you can have like $5 million businesses. That's, and that's Okay. And, and by the way, by the way, those businesses, you know what they do, which a lot of these other businesses don't do? They profit. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking crazy deal. You know, Instagram got bought for a billion dollars. Uh-huh. Zero revenue. Yeah. 18 months later. Yeah. Why? Because Facebook has the Cantillion printer at their uh, fucking yeah. disposal. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I, you know, I, when I was reading Jeff's book, um, Jeff Booth, uh, mm -hmm. Price Tomorrow, 
If you haven't read it, right after you're done reading Jimmy's book, read, read I've had him on this podcast, so <laughs> I, know, he, I, I, he I love Jeff, and I, 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 I'm pretty sure I listened to that, but I've uh-huh. seen Jeff on a number of different programs lately, so uh-huh. it might be intertwining. But long story short, um, you know, Jeff talks about a lot of this terms and like his deflationary thesis, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and like the reality of it is like, you know, it's like one of the reasons that I don't take or don't give away more equity for capital at Framework is, you know, well, we're cash flow positive or, you know, profitable business. We're able to reinvest in a healthy way. The other reason is because, like, the debt, like, the debt equity equation just doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. It, the money's so cheap. Yeah. Right? But in a Bitcoin world... Money's not that cheap. <laughs> money shouldn't be cheap. Yeah. Money's language, uh-huh. right? And so the reality is, is that really profitable businesses... Mm. And, and really, really predictably profitable businesses are going to be more valued for investors yeah. and passive investments, mm-hmm. right? Like, we'll, we'll start to understand what real pricing and real structure looks like when, like, you know, industries like corn and oil and mm-hmm. just figure out all the other things that are just subsidized. Yeah. Um, for even, quite frankly, our detriment. Yeah. You know, like, I'm listening to the government tell me how bad Bitcoin is for, uh, for the environment. Meanwhile, how many, how many billions of dollars you're giving to the oil companies, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I see how bad and how much money we're spending on, like, on our healthcare system, right? And this is like, well, why are you subsidizing sugar? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. like, so, like, in, in, in a Bitcoin world, we're going to start seeing real industry. Yeah. We're going to start seeing real pricing. We're going to start seeing rates. real interest rates. And you know what else we're going to see? Real business owners. Yeah. No longer is it just going to be the couple of dildos that kind of graduated with a couple of degrees from Stanford. Yeah. Got MBA, tied in. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like you're tied in the Silicon Valley funding structure. Yeah. You know, you know X, Y, and Z. And maybe now, perhaps you and I are in that world too, and on yeah, some yeah. side of the fence, having lived both sides. Mm-hmm. But like that real value, like there is no more bullshitting. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the in a Bitcoin world, and it's just going to be a more honest world economically, even in those minor transactions. Uh-huh. Companies that like the like private equity investing companies are going to look at that five, ten, twenty, thirty million dollar business, mm-hmm. fifty million dollar business that you know is got strong, perhaps even like framework, has got mm-hmm. strong predictable revenue, subscription mm-hmm. revenue, low turn, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to invest in it and have strong returns mm-hmm. because they're not going to have the Cantillion system uh-huh. inflating their bullshit where we got Cape Schiller ratios pushing 35, 40, you know, it's just out of control. So yeah, I, I mean, I mean, obviously you and I biasly knew we agreed about this before <laughs> we discussed it, but it's no less valid. It's no less true. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the, it, the whole system just seems so out of whack, right? Like the pricing's off, the, um, on mon- new money, on opportunity, like foregoing opportunity costs and all sorts of things. But Bitcoin brings some of that back. Bitcoin brings back like the sexiness of profit and dividends and saving. And, uh, yeah, every, every yield and stuff like saving that. Saving is cool again. Yeah, I, I mean, like this, this is one of the most frustrating things is that when you have lots of fiat money, it really does become kind of a Keynesian beauty contest. Amazon, I don't think, has ever paid out dividends. Like. Technically speaking, that should be worth zero if it never pays a dividend. But it's popular. It's a lot of people want it, and it becomes a the value contest. of their future cash flows. But I never get any of the cash flow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it doesn't make any discount, sense. I don't understand the discounted cash flow model. Then yeah, yeah, uh-huh. it, it it doesn't make any sense. Be, uh, but you know, in a Bitcoin world, that stuff starts making all the sense of the world. It's one of the reasons that like. 
you know, when I like, like, why, like, why does it not make, like, why do all these companies back into these things in terms of a SPAC? Why do uh -huh. companies want to avoid being a security? Yeah, it's so much of a crazy headache to do, right? <laughs> and so, I would say, yeah, man, like, if you can, you know, in a Bitcoin world, when you have true business, you have true money, you have true, quite frankly, like, need to actually demonstrate the crazy, you know, novel idea of being profitable um, and not just having a trillion users use a platform to poke each other from China to <laughs> Chicago. Um, I think that, that, that will allow for that type of an environment and, and allow for, for economic meritocracy, mm. for, 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 for a removal of so-and-so being so-and-so because they came from so-and-so. <laughs> like, first of all, nothing annoys me more, and it's already happening, right? Uh -huh. Like, American Hoddle got Cynthia Loomis to put laser eyes on, right? <laughs> the reality is the guy, the crazy guy on Twitter who gets uh -huh. kicked off every three weeks has uh -huh. Jack Dorsey following him uh -huh. on Twitter. <laughs> well, you know? I mean, he, so, he, he's like, not off Twitter right now. But, well, yeah, but yeah. yeah, no, I mean, he, he, I mean I, check the hour, right? But my point is, is that, like, you know, you got, there's going to be a, dare I say it, there's going to be a lot of really young, wealthy Bitcoiners. Mm. And they're going to be able to like sway decision making in this country and in this mm. world mm. with their economic means. You know, mm. if if you know, an Exxon Mobil and you know AstraZeneca can write checks, there's going to be a lot of Bitcoiners that are going to be in really different economic positions. Yeah. To change what this looks like, mm. and like I'm. Super stoked. Like, if I asked you the question, Jimmy, do you expect more or less Bitcoin support in the American Congress in the next 10 years? Would you say more or less? More, of, of course. course. And yeah. I think anybody that says less now, does that mean that they're going to be passing bills? Or all <laughs> no. But the trend line is so clear. Uh -huh. Number go up, mm -hmm. even for congressmen and senators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like your local politicians, which, by the way, is going to drive this way faster than, than, mm -hmm. than, than the Beltway does. Mm -hmm. um, mark my words. And like... It, all of it, all of it, everyone is going to have to come to truth. Mm. Bitcoin will make everything, everyone, every industry mm. surrender to truth. Mm. Instead of living a lie, and a fragile lie versus an anti-fragile truth. Well, dude, I mean, the safety net of corporate America is ridiculous. Yeah. Of course they don't have to be profitable. Yeah. They can blow shit up and get a fucking airlift. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're like my buddies in college who perhaps crashed the car and then got a <laughs> Porsche delivered. Well, why? He should have crashed the car for Christ's yeah, sake. And yeah. that economic incentive, that's so yeah. backwards. Yeah. So, like, you know, we're, like we're pushing negative interest rates. Mm. How crazy is that? Yeah, the I idea agree. to disincentivize saving money, right? Everybody's parents, uh -huh. right, would would be happy if their kids were saving money. Right? Uh -huh. Well, like the government's telling you exactly not to. Yeah, like we got at like, every level. Yeah, oh like if individuals, companies, governments, everybody is disincentivized. There's, there's no save. reason if you were saving money in dollar terms, you're an absolute bonkers idiot, uh -huh. right? And, and, and that's why like, I literally explained Bitcoin to my mom in terms of like, mom, I, you know, you're right. Uh -huh. I should have been saving more. Uh -huh. Bitcoin is like, <laughs> like, Bitcoin made saving real again. Uh -huh. Like that's the only thing you can save. That's the only thing you can hodl. Everything else is burning a hole in your pocket. You got to move it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that reminds me of something that, uh, that I wanted to talk about. So you're talking about all of these sort of like fiat rich kids, right? Like that, that, that end up uh, kind of in this very bad uh, position of bad incentives, you know, evil incentives almost, where, you know, they, they get into positions where they do stuff that's not very good for them. Um, you know, like where they crash cars because they want a new car or something like that. And 
you know, they, they've lived too comfortable a lot. Um, and, you know, I, I share your enthusiasm that a bunch of Bitcoiners that are all hustling, you know, that, that will change things tremendously. Yeah. But there is still some of that danger of uh, sort of raising the next generation of kids that do come from money, right? Like we, we are prop have a decent chance of raising kids in an environment where, you know, they're going to have a lot of things that they want. That so we didn't. Yeah, so how, how do we make sure that they still have muscle? So I, I actually think the world is going to make that easier. You know, one of the cool things about re-recording this, one, I didn't get the <laughs> run before this, so I didn't get the endorphin pump, but the, uh, the two, I thought about this more, and this is a catch-22 for sure. One, yeah. I think we got to lead by example, right? Mm. Like, like, my kids don't listen to me, they just do what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know it. Uh -huh. Anybody who's a parent does it all the time because their kids will do something they don't like, uh -huh. and they know exactly where they got it. <laughs> and if they don't, they're really mad and try to go find the teacher. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, trunk club suit, John, uh -huh. and Nike t-shirt, Nike t-shirt and shorts, John, <laughs> that we're that's sitting here today. Like my kids, you know, I took my my daughter to the Cubs game the other day, and she wasn't like pointing for the cotton candy uh -huh. and for the ice cream and this and that. And the reality is, is because I don't. Uh huh. You no, know, like, you know, does my family have nice things, and have I, you know, tried to provide some nice things? Absolutely. Uh -huh. Right. But can we afford much more? Sure. Yeah. Do we care? Absolutely not. Yeah. And so I think like. But like literally just not being that high time preference hoe that I talk about <laughs> and, and setting that example, like that's the best. I think one, we have to surrender that we can't control it all. Yeah, yeah. And then two, from the what we can control, like we got to be focused on our example more than our words and our teaching. Yeah, yeah. But the other part of it is the world's going to look different. Oh, yeah. Bitcoin rewards, but Bitcoin penalizes. Yeah. Bitcoin's truth. Yeah. And so like right now, this game, this con game that we're living in, uh -huh. that we're raising in, mm -hmm. is headed in a different direction. Mm. Do I think it's going to be all roses and daisies and flowers and but no? I, uh -huh. There's going to be a lot. We're gonna. There's going to be so much that, like, that economic like revolution will in in it, like inevitably cause. And and I don't know what that looks like. You don't know what that looks. No one does, right? Mm -hmm. But like to, to to be naive to that is crazy. But on the other end of that, as we continue to head in that direction. We're going to be headed toward a more honest world. Yeah. They're going to have to live that. Yeah. The right? market They can't lie to yeah. it. Yeah. 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 You know? And so I think between the examples we set, I think between the world that they're for that is headed in a direction that seems to me inevitable, I, I think that there's market forces that are going to like check our kids. Yeah. And God damn it, I'm still scared. <laughs> excuse course, me, excuse my uh, my blasphemy here, but um, but yeah, man, I think about it all the time, and I know you do too. I mean, we talked about this before the podcast, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I, that's the thing. It's, it's scary. Well, they're not going to have government bailouts, certainly, but they still have us. And, and how I mean, much if they of a call bailout? us, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're gonna, we might be weak. Uh, yeah, well, and how much of a bailout do you provide for them? And it's like, how much do they sort of abuse that and depend on that? And that's like sort of the role of a parent that is very hard because you want to help your kids but if they're drug addicts and they're coming to you for money so they can go buy more smash sure. you know there's there's a line you got to draw so right. where do you draw that line yeah so i mean the same money that gets them a math tutor to help them through math class yeah. right right it's like so i mean yeah it's tough and i've seen it right and i've seen it in kind of living on both sides of the fence and, yeah. and you know economic america but yeah i i, I think 
one of the other things that I think about uh, about it is like, how do I create adversity in a safe way? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually less concerned about how do I respond to the uh, helicopter bailout of my kid, like <laughs> crashing the car or doing something stupid, right? Uh -huh. In fact, I remember at one point telling my nephews and nieces, like, listen, at some point in your life, you're going to do something. You're going to regret it. Uh -huh. Okay. You're not going to want to call um, mommy and daddy. <laughs> and so... Uh, what you're Uncle gonna John do instead? Here, yeah. I want you to. I don't want you to not like. You don't talk to anybody. You just uh -huh. you, you call me, okay? Uh -huh. You're too scared to call them. Call me, and so I realized I already kind of was like, "Yo, uh -huh. you gotta bail out." You know? <laughs> That's what I told them. Uh -huh. But and I and I and I imagine in a moment like that, we're probably just gonna throw you know water on fire and teach uh -huh. them a lesson later. That's yeah. probably what's gonna happen. But uh -huh. what I'm more worried about is 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 just focusing on a function of of. Uh, as, as our friends are going to bombard us right now. Um, uh, I'm really focused about how do I create safe adversity. And uh, Nithi didn't think I could shimmy. Um, but anywho, um, how can we create fake adversity? And, uh, and, and, and that's the thing that's going to be tricky, right? Like, how do I fake the consideration of, like, you know, leaving my kids in a safe environment, but one that I can, um, you know, still teach them what I want to teach them. And so... Yeah, our friends are distracting us now, giving us hugs because we're, yeah. we're at Bitcoin 2021. Right. Yeah, but but I do right. think that like if we could if we could create that adversity in a safe way, and so maybe it's sports, right? Maybe it's really trying to teach them about what you and I went through. Mm. Maybe it's about taking them and helping them to understand things and, and showing them through the value of service, through the value of helping others, through the value of recognizing we have abundance. Mm and like letting them recognize that what they have is actually incredibly valuable and lucky and, uh -huh. and, I, and I, I don't know that that's actually still the answer yeah but that's literally the best I could come up with and it's still not helping me sleep better well I mean that's a great answer though and you didn't have this answer yesterday so I appreciate that yeah, think about it a lot so I was thinking about it because you know that's the type of thing that scares you and uh -huh. and for a lot of people listening to this you may not even be encountering this now because you Maybe you think you only own like half a Bitcoin or a couple of bit, whatever it is. I don't even want to talk about that in those terms. But the reality is like what you think might be the case now uh -huh. might be really, really different one year, five uh -huh. years, yeah. 10 years down the road. I mean, it's happened for so many people that we both know. Yeah, yeah. And so like it changes really significantly, really quickly. And, and I think I'd encourage people to start wrestling with these incredibly difficult thoughts. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I, I do like this idea of sort of like giving them sort of reps at adversity without real like serious consequences or whatever and uh and that that's a really good idea um but there is at some point like you know you do have to impart your values you, you do have to make sure that they understand where where things are going to be and you know the the sort of like expectations that can they can expect from you and making sure that they are confident in what they're going to do and what what they're going to face and not being scared of it because that that to me that that courage is just so missing in PR world. And, and like that, the last year and a half have just been absolutely clear on that. Very few people are very courageous because they're so trapped in the PR mindset. And like encouraging that and making that, and I do agree that some of that comes through just having a free market and them just learning through that, but there is an element of teaching that we have to do. That's, That's really profound, and, I, and I, I, I'm like you can see my like my, my uh, wheels turning as you're uh -huh. as you're discussing it, and like I think there's ways to create risk reward in ways that don't matter to us that matter to them. Yeah, yeah, right. And 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 I don't know the modalities completely, but like, what 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 if like you know 
you, you allowed for some outcome-based consideration, and maybe you're already doing that, right? Like, if you do this, then you get that, right? If you do this, then the reward is fine. And so, and so I, I think, like, one of the things that I'm going to challenge myself to do is trying to create risk-reward structures for my children in safe but meaningful ways mm. and trying to help impart lessons through recognizing that, like, there isn't always, like, a participant ribbon. <laughs> You yeah, know, it's there, not it's not the millennial. Everyone gets a, a trophy. Fifteenth yeah. place. There's yeah. too many like <laughs> yeah. there's too many places on that, and so the thought is to like fix it. I think Rob's looking for me. So, but uh, all joking aside, man, like that that is where like after you know spending some time thinking about it after we talked about yesterday, that's kind of where I've come to to challenge myself, you know, and thinking about. And, 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 you know, doing it for a three-year-old is going to be doing it. It's going to be different than for when she's five and seven and whatever, and nine and ten. And, like, I'm left in a place where that's that's the tro- the approach I'm going to do. And then the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to be calling Uncle Jimmy and being, <laughs> how are these experiments working, bro? What, what should I do? He's got he's got way more than I got. So I got to Well, I mean, you're, you're, just a, you're just ten years behind me. That's all. But, yeah, I mean, you'll get there, right? Like, that's, <laughs> Between that's me the, and Jimmy, we're going to have a full whatever-you-want kind of team. Like basketball, <laughs> football, whatever. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, I hope you have more kids. I, I, I mean, obviously the, the hustle is so important and making sure that like your children get those values. And I think that's, you know, this is something that not a little lot of people think about as, but your children are a gift to the world. Oh, my God, Jimmy. Oh, my God. I mean, like, I, you know, and I, one of the things I do in part of, like, my, I bring my kids downstairs to the gym with me. Oh. My daughter's doing battle ropes with me, yeah. man, you oh, know? Wow. And it's like she wants to do, like, she wants oh. to be part of what you're doing. But, like, I do, man. I feel like I, I didn't, th- I knew I was going to love my kids. Uh-huh. Right? You know it. Right? Yeah. You haven't even met them yet. You love uh-huh. them. Uh-huh. And you feel this ridiculous, like, dad protective, like, mm-hmm. instinct. But, like, you then start to realize that you actually count on their love, too. Oh, of course, yeah. Like, the thing yeah. is, like, I knew that's, I had to love them, the and they count on thing. me. Yeah. But then I start to realize, oh, my God. Yeah, they love us. Yeah. They love us. And yeah. by the way, I need that love more than any other love. Like, my <laughs> wife don't love me. My mom don't love me. My yeah. friends and family don't. Whatever. Uh-huh. But my daughter's, like, yeah. not loving dad. Game over, right? And yeah. so. Well, you might get manipulated a little bit. Oh, man. It depends on the, that too dude, much. When yeah. you're, like, telling me about bailing her out, I'm like, the girl already knows what Chanel is. The game's yeah. over, right? <laughs> but, but, um, but, yeah, dude, I, I, I feel a real real strong consideration that like and and I want to say this humbly but like the two humans we brought and you know you're six like these are literally like gifts to the world they are and and I'd encourage all bitcoiners that you know are really into it beyond like number go up yo it's so much easier to raise and indoctrinate your children than it is to like orange pill other people. So we this, can just like true. we yeah. can just breed them out of, out of extinction. No, I kid. But no, man, I agree. Like you know, children are like, and then for anybody who's listening that is a parent, totally understands us. And anybody who's not is probably laughing and like, oh, uh-huh. these guys are being mushy, uh-huh. like these soft betas. But no, man, like they really are a gift, and the game doesn't. Well, like, they're not just a gift to the world; they're a gift to ourselves too. Oh our my god, older selves, our future selves. So and, it's it's amazing. And the thing about it though is there is no more proof of work mm-hmm. than raising children yes yes and you see it like you see your imprints every day in, in their development and, and you recognize how you have to hold yourself to account in ways that you never could have yeah, without hard. having Sometimes that human that's a little shameful when you realize they got your flaws but yeah <laughs> <laughs> and when they have your wife's flaws, but of course our wives don't have any, so I, you know, I'm just kidding here. <laughs> Before we go home to no more steak, yeah. <laughs> 
All right. All right. Well, John, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thanks, Jimmy. I had fun, where, man. Where, where can people find you, man? Uh, listen, come to Sunday Satoshi service so we can make fun <laughs> of people calling us a cult. Um, and, you know, we can oh, rescue dude, all dude, the shit dude, CJ and I had, like, the best, uh, best thing for, like, the next conference. Oh. <laughs> we, 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 we need a Bitcoin baptismal, like, full immersion. And, uh, and we'll have a Sunday Satoshi service with real... You know, like, do you, do you promise to I can't forsake? make this announcement, oh, but I will. I, I didn't hear this idea, uh -huh. but um, maybe in the next month or so, there might be something like that uh, okay. in uh, a real live, not just a virtual Sunday Satoshi service. Can't can't I can't uh, say we, anything you, today. You gotta have a full baptismal, all like you know, like Duncan just all, heads. Yeah, Duncan. <laughs> And you say you say you know do you, do you forsake all shit coins? Hey, all that everybody stuff, yeah. listening to Jimmy's podcast, send him a DM saying he has to be the one helping me with the baptism, and this isn't going down. But yeah, I mean, find me on Twitter, hit me up at Pay for Dad, find me on Instagram, um, you know, send me a DM or whatever. But yeah, I, uh, I, you know, some people want to be rich and famous, Jimmy. I'm fine with just the without the famous brothers. So. I, th I think you're too late for that, buddy. Yeah. But just come hang out, and, and if you're ever around, if you're at the conference, if you're hanging out, come say hi, man. Come say hello. I, I enjoy talking to all people. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for this whole thing, and let's see if I could get this out as soon as possible. All, all right. right, Jimmy. Appreciate you, brother. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Bitcoin Fixes This. John can be found at at Pay It Forward Dad on Twitter. Until next time, Fiat Delanda.